0: And here we are, we are back. Thank you for uh, bearing us with us with those technical difficulties. <laughs> <That> <laughs> we were it. just trying to get um, uh, Sasha latia Oh yeah, did I nail that? I think I did. Um, name right. So there you go. Well, I've just introduced her anyway. She's got 25 years in the pharmaceutical uh, research and development um, experience. She was a ph- She's a pharmaceutical executive, has a number of successful companies under her belt, worked with 60 companies worldwide. She knows exactly how clinical trials should be run. And um, the results that you get if they're run right. Um, welcome to the show and tell, Sasha. It was—it's a—we appreciate you coming on. I actually stole part of that, by the way, from um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s interview with you. Um, and we—we we were most impressed with what you brought to bear there because that definitely goes to the um, guts of exactly what we're trying to get across here: where the facts and evidence, when presented to the public without the mainstream media lens filters. Um, actually starts making sense and you explain it in layman's terms. So thank you very much for that and welcome.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. It's an honor. And I, I really am happy to be contributing to this really important cause. And I really hope that baby Will is okay and will get his surgery. And I am praying for him to be strong and grow up a beautiful young man and see him one day strong and healthy and grown up.
0: Okay, I'll, I'll start with the most obvious question and then I'll let the ladies take over and let's develop it from there. In your expert considered opinion, is the jab that has been administered all over the world, is it safe and effective as claimed by governments the world over?
1: No, not at all. Not at all. And I can I can talk about, about it for a long time, but I can also take you through my journey of discovery. Uh, but these are not safe nor effective nor pharmaceuticals nor vaccines these are not what the governments are telling you they are
2: well um where where would you like to start in terms of your journey of discovery i mean you were obviously an insider you used to believe in the pharmaceutical industry at what point uh, did you kind of start questioning it and and how did it lead you to to start speaking out i mean it's i know it's a long journey but be great for the audience to hear that
1: uh, yes, I, I, I did. I worked in pharma all my career, essentially. I I did. I was successful and I, I own several companies, clinical research organizations, which are uh, contractors to pharma companies. So they perform clinical trials for the pharma company. And my last company that I sold was uh, focused on safety, safety testing. So we were doing specific, very narrow, but very important area of safety testing, which is cardiovascular safety testing and um i actually did believe in the industry i believed in the ethics and the regulations and i worked with fda on this particular area cardiovascular safety i saw people performing their jobs and i saw people following the rules i did not see any fraud uh, myself Um, i didn't witness it i knew of you know certain cases happening and problems happening but they were always you know kind of i thought they were being addressed And I I overall thought that the regulation was for a good reason. And it is a very good reason, which is safety. And you don't want to do any harm. And you want to assure yourselves that whatever new medicine you're putting on the market is not going to harm anyone. And and so that was our goal. That was our focus. We worked very hard on it. I sold the companies. I had, you know, very happy few years of of semi-retirement. I still have some board memberships and consulting. But um, when I became very alarmed is at the beginning of this COVID um, so-called pandemic, which I now know was, was largely just a PSYOP, uh, you know, propaganda campaign. And, um, you know, at the beginning, I didn't know that. I thought there was really a virus. I thought there was really a disease. I was concerned like everyone else. I followed the news and I immediately became, almost immediately, you know, maybe by April, May uh, of 2020, I I understood that that they were doing something really uh, unethical and wrong with regard to early treatments, such as specifically hydroxychloroquine. And specifically because they were trying to smear it with the cardiovascular effects that I knew for a fact that it did not have because I could review the data. I knew how it was going to be assessed. I knew how the regulators thought about it and how they evaluated it. And I knew for a fact the regulators were lying. At that point, I knew the regu- regulators were lying because they were professionals and they knew as much as I knew about this product. Um, and um, the, that became a huge eye-opening event to me. So when when I see the regulatory body that I previously trusted and previously thought that they were doing a good job and they were sort of gold standard in the world and everybody was following them, I and I see them lying on media, lying about a really important thing that that can, you know, save somebody's life or 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 cost somebody's life when when with when with, when with health. I I understood that something really wrong was going on, and that at that point I started investigating uh, further. And by that
3: myself. was and that was where you found you have made statements like this: the U.S. government has been criminal. For a number of years, and you refer there to the analysis of Catherine Watt, who's in the Bailiwick News. You said in one piece you highly recommend her work. I'm I'm asking you this because people will want to research. Why do you so highly recommend Catherine Watt's work in Baileywick? Yeah. News? So
1: this this came uh, much later. I I uh, in the last few months I, I became aware of Catherine Watt's work, especially she's a she's a brilliant legal researcher. She's a paralegal herself. Uh, also, independent person like myself, but she's also a journalist, and uh, she compiled what I would call encyclopedia of uh, of law uh, on this particular topic. And her Substack, Bailey Week News, and I, I found it at some point, and I started reading it, and it also connected a lot of dots for me. So the whole issue of people are saying, you know, we've had almost three years of this. And uh, over two years of these so-called vaccines being rolled out, they're not vaccines, they're not even pharmaceutical products, I'll explain how. Um, I was, like everyone else um, on our side, all the professionals who are speaking up, the doctors and the scientists and, and a few regulatory experts like, my, my, like myself, where we were all perplexed, why are regulators acting this way? You know, as I said, I previously saw them doing their job. I previously saw them following the law, following their own own guidances, their own regulations. And now all of a sudden they don't. Like they explicitly don't, (laughs) you know, and and all over the world in the same manner. So the same way the FDA is acting, the same way EMA, the same way TGA, uh, New Zealand, uh, Canada, all of them are essentially reading from the same script, which says vaccines are safe and effective. We look, we we evaluated them rigorously, and we're saying, but look at the data, look at the VA- VAERS data, look at all the user vigilance and yellow card and all of them, millions of injuries, millions of deaths. Look at the blood results. Look at all this, you know, information that's undeniable, and they're and they are blind, completely blunted. So that was so shocking, and nobody could understand why are they doing this this way. Well, Catherine's work explained it to me, and to many others, uh, because she traced. And this is, this is, so I'm explaining for the United States, but uh, in in other countries of the world, I encourage everyone to read her work and check the legislation that exists in your countries, uh, and you will probably find similar things. So in the United States, what happened is, uh, there is, there are three key components to this. First of all, the emergency use authorization was put in place in 97 and, and that was under wasn't clinton it? wasn't it that was under clinton, clinton yes and uh that said that fda can in certain cases very narrowly defined when there are no other options that's very critical condition when there are no, no absolutely no other treatment options situation is completely desperate then they can decide to uh, allow either uh an use of, of uh, previously approved medicine or um you know just authorize a use of experimental medicine that's that's one the second one it, nobody knows about this but i encourage everyone to find out and i'm sure your countries have the same legislation in in uh, since the 1960s but lately amended around 2015 under obama in the united states there was a piece of legislation that's called other transaction authority which is a way to contract for the government with private Companies And initially, this was introduced in the US in the 60s for NASA only, uh, the space space agency. Um, Now, 11 government agencies use it. And Department of Defense especially uses it and likes it very much. Because this particular piece of so other means it's not a contract. It's not a research grant. It's not a procurement. It's not any any regulated way of contracting. It's other, meaning no regulation applied. That's why they like it so much. So they can, the Department of Defense specifically can order from private manufacturers, otherwise regulated products like pharmaceuticals uh, without following any regulation. So uh, so that's a way for them. And then and it's defined that they can purchase these things that are called prototypes, demonstrations, and counter, countermeasures. So they're all very vaguely defined, but Department of Defense, can order them without following any regulation. That's very critical. And then the final piece is this announcement of public health emergency, which is, I'm, I'm sure you can find it in somewhere in New Zealand legislation as well. But uh, in the US law, it says that public health emergency can be announced by Health and Human Services Department. Whenever they feel like it, there is no criteria. Yep. It can be announced based on no data whatsoever. And as you know, uh, the global WHO pandemic crisis was announced based on 40 cases in the world out of 8 billion people. So this is completely, whenever we feel like it, we, we announce p- pandemic. So once that clicks into place, this whole structure becomes whole. And now uh, the, the use of these Department of Defense ordered so-called countermeasures cannot constitute clinical investigation so that tells you that the whole p the whole complete picture is a lie uh these are not so if if something cannot be a clinical investigational product it cannot be regulated by fda or tga or new zealand health department it's 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 (laughs) extrajudicial you know so you, you cannot call them pharmaceuticals because they don't fall under the FDA regulatory authority. And that's what critical piece that Catherine discovered. And that made it an aha moment to all of us because we said, okay, well, the way the FDA behaves it now is explained because they have no authority over these products. And neither does the CDC or, or Health Canada or anybody else. What an extraordinary
3: explanation of a purposefully complex system designed to absolutely make us all shut down and go it's too complex you have broken this down it sounds to me like the public health emergency system is really the key that holds this whole
1: criminal edifice together is would you say that yes it is in fact uh, by definition a criminal enterprise and in fact, uh, we also found that in the U.S., there is an enterprise. There is a pandemic enterprise. Um, it's a quasi-government-private uh, organization, and, and about ten heads of federal agencies uh, sit on it. Uh, and so, so anyway, it is a criminal enterprise. They put it in place. They de- designed the space for themselves completely outside of the law. I, you know, they changed the laws to allow for this to happen. Now, this is not lawful. So it's legal on paper, but it's not lawful because you cannot legislate a crime. And that's I've got what a question done.
2: around that, um, Sasha, because it, it was obviously uh, given provisional um, authorization under the emergency authorization powers of the government, and the um, the pharmaceutical companies were indemnified. So you know they're not going to be held responsible for any negative outcomes of their product. But the question is: Given that it was um, given, it, given that it was obtained by fraud, um, does that null and info- null void any of the contracts? And can they then, in future, be held responsible?
1: Well, that's a that's a great question. I think um, outside of the US, this may be possible. Um, the way you described, again, I, I highly encourage everyone to read Catherine's research and figure out like what's going on in their countries. So I can tell you, uh, in the US it's extremely difficult because um, they have this so-called PREP Act. And that's that piece of legislation, and it was updated immediately before this so-called pandemic by the person who then personally distributed about $40 billion in contracts to various companies, including Pfizer and Moderna to make these things, Robert Kudlick, who was Assistant uh, Secretary of Pandemic Preparedness and Response under President Trump. Um, so uh, so this PrEP Act specifically indemnifies, so he, he bulletproofed it right before the pandemic, to specifically um, indemnify thoroughly the manufacturers, uh, distributors, uh, doctors, nurses, administrators, transportation, anybody who touches this so-called vaccine uh, from any possible liability. They're all covered persons. In fact, for the purposes of the administration of these shots, Everyone, regardless of where they work, their place of employment, are considered employees of Health and Human Services, therefore government officials performing government duty, and that's why they're identified. And the product is property of Department of Defense in the United States. It's manufactured by the Department of Defense. It's shipped to the Department of Defense. It's, It's property of Department of Defense until it is injected into a person. Um, and then that's who by is control. it the
2: property of do you then become property of the pharmaceutical industry because they've patented it or
1: how does that work no it's not so when it's made the, the actual product so the ip belongs to pharma whoever but uh the, the actual product the vials when they're manufactured they're shipped to the department of defense in the u.s and then they're distributed in the black box distribution system not not licensed pharmacy distributors But Department of Defense, and they can use private companies as contractors. But as I said, under Prep Act, those private companies are government employees for the purposes of this work, and uh, and that's how they're all indemnified. And outside of the U.S., this was all negotiated through these predatory contracts with Pfizer. And where I think they're vulnerable is because, again, you cannot by law you cannot you can challenge a predatory contract because it is predatory. So what those contracts said and specific clauses for outside of the US was that the country will waive importation rules. uh, That the country will waive any good manufacturing practice compliance, um, that that the country is prohibited from testing the product upon importation. So that's a very critical one. You cannot test these vials for conformity to the label, for example. And um, and so so and that that and they will fully indemnify the Pfizer, and the country will put up um, government assets as collateral to indemnify the Pfizer <clears throat> uh, uh, for any any liability. So, but I think that can be challenged, that because the predatory nature of these contracts.
0: That's exactly right. We here at CounterSpin Media have for the longest time been requesting the unredacted Pfizer contract. Which they are keeping secret and confidential and will not release because of exactly what you say, because they have basically mortgaged us to the hilt um, to meet their KPIs. Now, I'm bringing this um, medical holocaust into being, there would have been, a, had to have had been a hell of a lot of conflicts of interest. Can you explain, um, Anthony Fauci, the National Institute of Health, and uh, the Moderna connection?
1: Yeah, that one. Why that one? They still, they're still. Nobody has explained that yet. I have I've brought it up several times. It's actually publicly available information. On the FDA website, there is uh, uh, under SpikeVax, which is Moderna uh, injection um, label, to have, a, and that they're supposed to disclose to the public, which is called Basis for Regulatory Action. And it's there on the website. In this Basis for Regulatory Action, uh, you can see uh, a table where they say, there's a timeline of their decisions. And that, that table tells us that uh, Moderna opened investigational new drug application with FDA, which is the investigational new drug application is something that a pharmaceutical company is supposed to open. It's an application to a regulator saying that we're going to study this product in humans. So you're supposed to open it before you, uh you and you perform human clinical trials. So by that time all the animal studies must be completed fully. You have, have to have full package to discuss with the regulators to show that you've de-risked it properly so that before it can be given to humans and then you you can start human. So they open that that piece in one day essentially on um that never takes one day by the way. You, 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 Talk to them, to the regulators, then you have some feedback. Months later, you can open it. Anyway, so they opened it in one day on February 19th, I believe, 2020. And remember, in the U.S., the the public health emergency and pandemic was announced on March 11th. So somehow they're, they're visionary people, you know, so they open it on February 19th, and who opens it? It's not Moderna, it's it's NIH, Anthony Fauci's outfit. In fact, the Division of Infectious Diseases that Anthony Fauci is head of. So they open the IND that belongs to the IND, that number belongs to the IND, to to the uh, NIH, sorry. And then uh, I believe in April, end of March or April, Moderna opens the second IND for the same product now that the number belongs to Moderna. So that is a big flag, a big la- regulatory flag. It's not uh, lawful, in fact, uh, under good manufacturing practices under Title 21 CFR in the US. You're supposed to have one IND number, dossier, product. And it's in fact, it's very specific to a particular molecule, exact, exact implementation of the product. Um, for some reason, for Moderna, we have two. And one belongs to NIH. And the, and having a uh, IND number in a dossier uh, gives you, re- you know, marketing rights. So you can derive revenue and profit from this product. So this is a product co-owned by the U.S. government, by NIH, by specifically Anthony Fauci. Uh, and uh, they are the ones forcing it on everyone. So, so we have a huge conflict of interest and nobody has ever addressed it. Wow. Uh-huh. You,
3: you have called it a U.S. government <laughs> bioterrorism program, haven't you? You don't hold back, Sasha. Well, that no. was Catherine's turn, but I agree with it. <sighs> for somebody who's still trying to get their heads around the fact that the, the government may not have told us the truth here for a while in New Zealand, to go from that to bioterrorism, to think of governments working against their own people, it, it must melt down a lot of minds that you speak to when you, when you outline this. How, yes. how how do we bring people with us to realize the scale of this egregious wrongdoing around the world by governments?
1: Yeah, it's 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 a it's a very difficult issue. Now, I I myself was shocked when I found out, um, and although in retrospect now I and I talked to to Catherine, we, we actually she even wrote a post about this particular conversation that we had with a number of people on Zoom um you know if you think about it really if you think if you understand the history if you study history and you truly think about this question uh in fact nobody should be surprised by this at all because this is the most the feature that that's most common to all governments regardless of you know economic structure political structure ideology religion or time and history is that they all commit genocides of their own people at certain point in time, um, and if you think about totalitarianism specific, specifically, and this is where our world is evolving to, with, with this whole world, one world government agenda, agenda, you know, twenty thirty or whatever, the sustainability goals, UN and WHO just usurping the power. They're unelected bodies uh, belonging to private people, so nobody has ever elected them. No taxpayers have funded them, yet we are all funding them and and they're they're all ruling us. And so this totalitarianism is specifically very, you know, the the genocides and mass genocides are specific hallmark of totalitarian regimes. So that's why I know it's a very hard truth to realize, but I urge everyone to think about it and to realize what's going on because you will be annihilated just to the degree of your naivete about this. Um, and, and, and that's, that's, what, that's what you have to do to protect yourself and your families is to learn this quickly So
2: you obviously um, you know, started uncovering um, some really shocking things what, what is it like in your industry? What are your colleagues like? Are they, are they noticing it too and they're just staying silent? What makes you different that you would actually be so brave as to come out and talk about this?
1: Well, I, you know, I am financially independent and I've retired largely from the industry, so I have freedom to speak about it. And I, and that's why instead of enjoying, you know, I can, I can perfectly protect myself from all this insanity uh, with, you know, various means, including money, but I did not, I could not live with myself if I didn't speak up because I have the unique knowledge Um, and I, you know, I have skills and I can and I can unravel this better than other people. So uh, that's why I, I wanted to speak, because also for the record, for my children to know where I stood uh, and, um, and my grandchildren, hopefully. <laughs> um, and so so that was very important to me. Uh, but I do have freedom. So I do have luxury of of saying things and, and explaining things and telling the truth. Now, other people, not so lucky. I know many people in my industry agree with me, but they are silent because they have jobs, mortgages, and they don't have the luxuries that I do. Um, And so that's why. But I do have several colleagues that are, and some of them are anonymous, that are helping me. Um, And several more have recently, you know, spoke up and started contributing as well.
3: Sasha, for decades, though, we hear horrific stories out of America. You know, around the Clintons, there are an unusual number of deaths, but particularly doctors who have been dying suddenly well before the rollout of this jab. Do you ever have fear of these people who have so much money that they they just seem to be obsessed about making more and more? Um, Their ruthlessness seems to know no bounds. Do you feel
1: safe? Do you feel fearless with this campaign? i i do feel safe i don't think um i don't think you know the, the 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 one one very good thing another journalist i'd like everyone to to read is whitney webb uh and um so she spoke recently to glenn back and she said when you fear them you you give them power over you exactly. so i don't fear them
3: <laughs>
1: i don't fear them either i have i share her I share her sentiment about this. You have to be not afraid. You have to understand that if you're not afraid there's nothing they can do to you. Absolutely nothing. You you know God gave you you know free will and and that's a that's a treasure uh, and and that's your power. That's my power.
2: I just want yep. to say one thing before Calvin um, has a question, because you are um, financially independent. Like you have the the wealth and the means um, to not, you know, if they try and cancel your 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 career or anything like that, you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about banks pulling your mortgage, anything, um, and that makes you free. Um, then there's people like us and, and Liz Gunn, we're at the completely opposite end of the spectrum. Um, and this is what also makes us free because we also, we have, we have nothing. So we have nothing <laughs> to lose. Anyway. Um, so, you know, we've got, they can take our lives, you know, they can, um, try and silence us and come and raid our place and take our equipment. But, um, you know, I, Which they I, did. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yes. I would probably oh like it. Money, but um, but you know, I like the sense of freedom, so I can relate to that part of what you're saying, um, and how you have to have no fear. Calvin. But the best
0: part of this is that you got two opposite ends of the spectrum coming together, meeting in the <laughs> middle, and driving at home. This is a good thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. and that's absolutely true. I, and I know I'm, I don't want to say like you know, guys, you know, I have money, and that's great. But I, I, also, I grew up with no money, zero, and 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 I, I, but I never cared about money that much. So like, I, I am totally with you. Um, it, it, they can they can take my all my money too with this digital you know currency whatever they want to do, it's not going to change how I behave at all. So, <laughs> so, the no, freedom
3: the, is within, and and yeah. I, I really wanted to see what I would give for this fight over the last over a year, and I've seen Hannah and Kelvin do the same, and.
4: A little longer than a few minutes later.
2: Okay. Okay, we are back on. Thank you for bearing with us. We're just getting a few um, technical things sorted in the background so we can carry on this amazing interview with Sasha so we can keep recording it so you don't lose anything. So maybe, uh, Liz, will bring you on, and, and the three of us can have a quick analysis of what just happened. What do you think happened?
3: Well, I think there were some really profound things. Uh, somebody I know just popped his head in the door and and said to me, uh, I had no idea about Fauci, who's someone who's in the front room. Um, I think there are some really deep truths that Sasha is offering the world, and they would be truths that would not uh, be welcomed to be shared by the US government. This is why it's such an important interview in a program that is all about truth to help wake up Kiwis and particularly those doctors who are going to be making that decision on will, who were adamant there was nothing to see here and our mainstream media. There is an enormous amount that we can only begin to cover here. What do you think, Kelvin?
0: A massive coordinated effort worldwide to do exactly what they're doing. There is Mm -hmm. nothing short of it. The evidence is there. People um, are willingly blind to it. Because if over the last two years you haven't seen the writing on the wall, there is something seriously wrong and you need to go to Specsavers.
2: Well, I mean, we've we've had our fair share of technical difficulties. Um, we, we've never liked to say that, you know, we're under attack as such, or, you know, we don't like to um, get conspiratorial on these things. But one thing that is clear is that we've never had a just drop out like that it just dropped out for everybody so um we are going to just keep this discussion uh, going so please hold tight if you're just uh, reloading your link sasha will be back with us momentarily we're just getting things sorted so that we can record everything uh so that if you did miss it or if you want to play the replay to your family and friends you can liz i mean this is the kind of nature of it isn't it with 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 the uh, the fragility of the internet and and all the different apps and things that we have to run I mean these things are bound to happen um, but when you've got someone of of Sasha's caliber on it's it makes it all the more suspicious doesn't it?
3: It very much does and I loved what she said earlier because that was my philosophy from that that 10 days in after my first love letter in October last year, when I got up in the middle of the night and there was an arrow moving around my computer screen. Now that gives one a hell of a fright. You think, well, who's this? And my government wouldn't spy on me. Oh, don't be ridiculous, Liz, you're imagining. Well, I got somebody in and it was rooted back a really, really good guy who'd been in overseas security in Eastern Europe. And he was able to track it, very sophisticated, he said, but track it back to Israel, to a program called Pegasus that can only be activated government to government. And that was a real moment of of my awakening. I thought, why would the government be tracking a mum who sat down in front of a computer and said, Jacinda Ardern, you're my servant. You don't get to be rude to me and tell me I can't have a haircut or go to the gym. I just was being a human. I was saying this does not work in society. Segregation. Why would they track me? And from there, that was my journey of opening and researching and going deeper and deeper, which is what Sasha is offering. So yeah, one is foolish to say now. It's unpalatable, no doubt. We go. Oh, it wouldn't be New Zealand. Wouldn't be my government. Wouldn't be Jacinda. She was kind to everyone in Christchurch, wasn't she? You know, all of these things we have to go through those stages and then grow ourselves into the sorts of people with enough spine and guts and courage to face the unpalatable and say, this could be a criminal conspiracy, a criminal, a criminal cabal that is linked around the world that is, uh, is conspiring, let's use that word, against the very people they are voted in supposedly to nurture and look after, and bring it back to baby Will, if you doubt what I say, what government says to a mother, oh, we'll keep you waiting, dangling, with your baby who needs a heart operation, and we could, at the stroke of a pen, order the New Zealand Blood Service to deliver the jab-free blood you need for your baby to get this operation done, that baby matters because we are here as a government to look after our people. What government does that? Keeps a mother and father in this agony. A criminal government does that.
2: And I'm feeling government- We we should probably mention here as well, uh, Liz, anybody that's still questioning that just needs to um, look at the way, uh, you know, we've been treated in terms of the fact that the police have been following us since the beginning of the year, invested millions of dollars to track us, and then, because we shared a link at the beginning of the year to an offshore website that uh, that um, presented a documentary,
0: that is doing what the Fourth Estate is meant to do. Yeah,
2: we're just doing our job. Um, and if anyone doubting that the potential overreach of the state, Calvin, I mean, you know, we're, we're facing you know fourteen years now for um, doing what journalists are supposed to be doing, and uh, th- this isn't this isn't a joke.
0: And what's come out in the um, media recently um, is the censorship. Of the anyone who goes against the Christchurch call this is Jacinda swanning around the world saying hey we had an incident in Christchurch where a gunman went loose and there's three of them by the way there wasn't one uh, we've got all the facts and evidence so we're looking forward to court on that um, and, if you, and if you want to call us conspiracy theorists I'll just tell you what we really are we're conspiracy factualists because it is a fact that there's a conspiracy against you all and you want to talk about that let's look at a five million dollar investment if we're going to tro- drop truth bombs and get attacked again let's just go right there million invested in a thing called Anomaly Six. It's a piece of software that was to be um, used in New Zealand to help the um, people combat pedophilia and child trafficking in the country. Instead, what did they do? They co opted it, stole it, and used it in your COVID 19 tracking app. That's,
3: (laughs) That's something I didn't know. And something that's. Oh, we got more. Wow. That uh, There was a great concern. It was, it was observational, this one. But last night when we were setting up this program late into the night, this wonderful man who was doing a full 12 hours to get all this technical um, wizardry out so this program can work. He was saying, oh, this helicopter's been bombing my house. Now it happened that there was somebody else we're looking at doing a story on who told me that same story, that when the, the media came after her, and I won't name them, but we, we may well end up doing a film on them. She said for months this helicopter would just circle her house. Well, now with two of those stories, as as somebody trained in journalism, one has to say, who else is going through that? Who else is being intimidated by a helicopter above the house? What is going on in this country? So I say to all Kiwis, if you hear helicopters hanging about in your area, think, don't think, oh, it won't be anything. Think that's unnerving. That should not be happening. Mm-hmm. Who's behind that? And that's what we have to ask about all these things in New Zealand. So again, Hannah, in answer to your question, as soon as it went down, I went, well, Sasha was right in the middle of some deeply important revealing facts about what's been going on in this world and it suddenly gets cut like that. It's a worry, but it should be more of a worry for the American slash New Zealand government because everybody in New Zealand who cares and is awake is watching this and around the world. So you reveal yourselves ultimately and we are not scared of you. As Sasha said, I made that resolution when I found out Pegasus was spying on me. I thought I could go into fear or I could go into courage. And I will go into courage, and I will never give them my fear ever because I don't fear them. They're pathetic.
2: Yeah, and and that's exactly right, Liz. And and we've taken. I mean, I think Calvin's always been pretty much fearless. Um, and you know, I've I've always had a lot of courage, but yeah, I definitely think I've had to work on it and and stay steadfast in my resolve uh, through what we've been through lately. But um, just for those people that are interested, of course, um, we do have our upcoming uh trial well not trial but court appearance a pre-trial conference this wednesday we have not been um really discussing it in light of you know baby will and everything else that's been going on because um as far as we're concerned that is secondary uh, to so this, nothing compared to, yeah, what we're to doing this here. really important case. But just in case you're wondering, we are uh, um, back in Christchurch uh, to appear in court next Tuesday. Uh, sorry, Wednesday. Of course, um, baby Will is um, back with his family in court at the Auckland High Court on Tuesday. Um, so we'll let you know um, the outcome on Wednesday how how it goes. We're not asking anybody to come to the court no. um, at this point. There's just so much been going on. Um, everyone's tired. Frozen. You know this pattern.
0: A few moments later,
3: Sasha, have you ever had this before? In any interviews that you're doing, where where the the calls go down? Interesting. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) You know, it's amazing we've got away with as long a day as we've done, and as much criticism as we've said, because I think she really is fearful of now looking like the tyrant any narcissist or sociopath will do it behind the scenes Absolutely. they hate to be caught out looking bad
1: they publicly. hate it oh yeah look what's going yeah. on in, in twitter land uh, yes it's uh, exactly the behavior they all yeah. they all feel like what do you mean mm. we we own you and i'm like no you don't
3: <laughs> <laughs> and the thing about <laughs> exactly. new zealand, the thing about new zealand sasha is I said to this family who was so desperate, we either beg them and plead and keep doing this or we go absolutely nuclear and it's these guys who've come on board and helped us to do that, knowing that if we went nuclear, she would be scared of a lot of people seeing it but Mm -hmm. really when you think about it new zealand would be one of the few countries we have such natural networks and we're networking people she's tried to stop all that but Mm -hmm. this baby will we've started up these person-to-person networks and the anger has flowed through and it's taken off Mm -hmm. way out of her propaganda department control she has a propaganda department i've heard of 120 people paid Mm -hmm. to lie to us
1: oh yeah yeah and yeah you know and but new zealand being a small country and and you know in a small country you can do so much in just just personal networking in a short time in a A short time time. yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. that's it's that's amazing so
3: this will make people really angry they want to hear you and and (laughs) they'll be saying why
1: just why they should be it's 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 a crime it's a total crime total Totally, yeah. it's the worst—the worst crime ever.
3: One
4: minute thirty-seven seconds later.
0: Okay, I think we're—I think we're back.
2: <laughs> wow! Uh, thank you so much for um, sticking with us. It's been a really great day, and uh, it wouldn't be CounterSpin without a few technical glitches. We. Uh, we don't want to get too conspiratorial or anything, um, but Sasha has been very gracious and uh, she's stuck with us. Um, so hopefully we'll get another half an hour with her. Liz,
3: where do you want to take Sasha back to? Brilliant. Um, well, first of all, I want to reintroduce you, Sasha Lodipova. Is that good pronunciation, Sasha? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we are loving having you on. And there is no doubt that you were divulging um, things that the US government would not appreciate. So it is, we just simply note that, that could that have been an attempt to censor, we will never know, perhaps, but a warning to this government and any overseas governments, New Zealanders want free speech now, and that's another part of the legacy of little baby Will. We've had enough of being suppressed and silenced and not allowed to talk to each other and discuss ideas, and that's part of this awakening across New Zealand, which I think will spread around the world. So Sasha, I really wanted to take you to that, the 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 issue of baby Will. How can we bring your research into the, the factors that the, that the doctors that I met the other day simply refused to look at. When I have looked at your work, some of your statements are alarming. You've said these injections are toxic by design. Could you explain to those doctors who are refusing to help baby will because they think everything's fine, could you explain what that statement means?
1: Yeah, so, uh, and I, you know, many, many researchers also on our side, including Dr. Mike Eden, for example, um, ex-Pfizer uh, senior R&D executive, uh, talked about it from the very beginning. So the, the design of these of these so-called vaccines never made any sense to anybody familiar with drug design. Um, they chose, all, all companies simultaneously chose the most toxic part of this, um, you know, this virus the most toxic part of the spike protein as a as a target antigen so essentially what this says you know that, that they're advertising but but i will you know have to uh, qualify that by saying they're not making what they're advertising but if you believe what they're advertising uh they're saying we're taking this very toxic thing this toxic spike protein and we're teaching your cells to make it mm-hmm. and then we're teaching your body to attack those cells so in a sense, they're telling you, we're teaching your body to destroy itself yeah. um, and uh, because you're made of cells and you have to replenish cells all the, all the time. I mean, people don't understand that the, the modern medicine has reduced the understanding of human body to things made of smaller things, but that's not true. You're not thing made of smaller things. You're a process and you're event in time. You replenish yourself every minute. Um, as we speak, you're remaking your cells. And if your cells are now confused and and attacking themselves, well, then you're destroying yourself. And that's exactly what this product is making your body to do. And then another very big lie was by all government officials and the manufacturers was that this um, product is going to stay in the muscle cell. Well, that's nonsense, because the reason why uh, all intramuscular injections are made is so that the product is distributed systemically through the body. So of course it was going to travel through the body. Of course there's going to be systemic exposure. And uh, part of my analysis was I reviewed uh, so-called uh, non-clinical packages from both Pfizer and Moderna, which were provided to the FDA uh, as part of the uh, supposedly the the FDA making decision on these approvals. And I found that they were completely fraudulent. And first of all, they were made. They were not made before the the human trials commenced. They were made sort of to check the box at some point after that started. And uh, they were also full of fraud and manipulation. They were testing irrelevant test articles. For example, they were testing not Pfizer BNT162 and not Moderna spike vax. They were testing some completely other mRNAs, Uh, the the, the lipid nanoparticles formulated with luciferase, formulated with other irrelevant things. Uh, and then they were calling them tests for these products so uh they they just totally manipulate these were just pretend one of the lawyers i'm working with calls them Patomkin trials well they, that's exactly what they are <laughs> you know, can, I just, can
2: i just jump in here because did you just say the word Luciferes? yeah
3: because yeah. um yeah.
2: because that connects right back to here in new zealand because um one of our biggest uh, scientists pushing the narrative. Her name is Susie Wiles, and she was actually um p- creating or studying um luciferase here in New Zealand at the Auckland University. And and from memory, a Bill Gates, yes, scholarship. That was the point I was getting to. From memory, um, Bill Gates was actually funding that as well. So what what is luciferase exactly for people who aren't sure? Uh,
1: yeah. So luciferase is a protein that is made by um. You know the the insects and animals that glow in the dark, like like um, you know light bugs and jellyfish, and you know so there are different colors of luciferous. It's a protein that's glowing, okay, um, and you can synthetically create it, and they they also use it as a tracer. Nice. So they use it in drug research as a tracer, and it's convenient because if you can inject uh, an animal uh, with it and then you can see where the substance goes um so so that for the convenience and traceability they use it in drug research qu- quite extensively but it's not it's a it's like you say it's a sorry it's a it's, a, it's a, some it's some kind of a tool that you're using it's not your product so in drug development all the tasks that you do must be done with your final implementation of the product so maybe you've made some change maybe you started with something and it didn't work and you changed it you have to go back and redo all those tests to demonstrate it with, with your final implementation of the product that goes into the vial or injectable, whatever, pill, whatever you're doing. And um, th- that's what I'm saying. They did not do that. They just mm-hmm. used this tracer and said, it's sufficient test for our product. It's not, in not, 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 not any way. Uh, then they used, Moderna, for example, specifically used a dozen different mRNAs, not spike packs. They used the Zika vaccine. They used the cytomegalovirus vaccine. They used uh, influenza vaccine. They used some other vaccines, which, by the way, have never been approved. They were all experimental. Most of them failed in development. So they're using failed experimental products, testing them, and calling them sufficient tests for another unapproved experimental product. Okay, so this is as fake as it gets. And, and
2: you know what the amazing thing about that, uh, Sasha, is that Dr. Susie Wiles, who, um, as I said, is this microbiologist here in New Zealand, is pushing this stuff. And, and you're saying, you know, you're, you're raising uh, the alarm bells on one end of the spectrum. And last year, she was named New Zealander of the Year in this oh, country.
0: That's what a joke it is. This here. is
2: what we're dealing with. You know, you're telling us that this is seriously concerning stuff. And meanwhile, here, we're praising uh, one of the women that has been right there in it. Calvin, can you say any more about that?
0: Yeah, she's been pushing the rubbish. In fact, what we need to know about this, you've already established, and it's incontrovertible. It is not safe and effective. It's basically a bioweapon that's having the body turn on itself, and it's, it's a medical holocaust that's happening. Now, if I remember rightly, you said previously that there's been one single study, just one, to test toxicity. Mm-hmm. and yet where was that at the time this was approved
1: yeah so so instead of doing full pre, full non-clinical assessment which is very necessary before you even go into human clinical trials uh, you know like before you can go into highly controlled setting of a clinical trial you have to do all these assessments and there is extensive extensive um studies that you need to do pharmacokinetics pharmacodynamics excretion metabolism studies uh all the toxicology studies they have to go through for anything novel has to go through major organ classes like cardiovascular uh, cns Uh, liver, spleen, adrenals, reproductive toxicology, so all of them need to be separate, you know, either one study or many studies usually, so you would have a package of maybe hundreds of studies in animals before you can go into humans. Here they showed something like 20 studies each, of which, uh, you know, a vast majority were irrelevant. Either they were testing, as I was describing, uh irrelevant test articles or they were doing studies that are non-glp non-good laboratory practices so they're not acceptable for um regulatory review uh, and in fact each each company only did essentially two studies that were with correct test article one was reproductive toxicology which they both failed and they found huge problems uh, and the other one was this this repeat dose toxicity that they both did so so two only two relevant studies in the whole entire package, before before you know they, they went into humans, and uh, that those toxicity studies were completely diluted. So by design, they essentially they took a small, very small sample of animals, and then they divided them into those groups. And when you divide into those groups, you you get an even smaller. So you have maybe three or four animals on each dose group that you're assessing. So that completely dilutes any signal. And it, you cannot make any statistically significant conclusions from this. And and even when I, you know, I, once I got those packages, they were claiming those studies were still not completed. Wow. <laughs> so, Sasha,
3: I if I met Jacinda Ardern in the street, I would say to look her right in the eye and say, would you put the blood of the jabbed from the NZ blood into your baby, Neve, if she had... Uh, a life-threatening need for surgery. Now, I I doubt she would, I'm sure she, like many others, she's in this week's, I don't know, some women's magazine talking about the tragic story of her father having cancer, which normally I would feel much sympathy for, but for a woman who has not shown sympathy for nearly 70,000 jab injured and zero sympathy, has sat on her hands around this case of baby Will, it's very hard to feel sympathy for her. What would you do if you were in the position of Sam's, uh, Sam and Cole, the parents of baby Will? Would you ever take a risk with this blood that they are trying to force? They are saying, he needs the operation. Yes, it's urgent, but we'll only give it on our terms. Would you do what Sam and Cole have done, which is say, no way. No
1: way! Absolutely, I I would would stand. I would stand with them. I, you know, for myself, I will never accept vaccinated blood if I need it. And and frankly, I'm in a poor situation because I have rare blood type. So I, you know, there are very few donors left in the world that would help me. So and I and I feel the I feel the need, the very very severe need for, for for blood banks that can. Mm. assure us that we have the blood that's that's not been messed with that doesn't have these spike you know toxic spike proteins doesn't have damage that we've seen um and, and you know that we've seen from many studies showing damage exactly in the blood of the vaccinated people so that the, the blood poisoning is a big issue and if you're giving a baby poisoned blood especially with babies it's a big problem because they have small body size so we have a lot of um, reports and various and other databases where the babies, even being exposed to vaccinated parents and relatives in the house, develop severe conditions. Um, the, the, we have reports that is babies dying from breastfeeding of, from vaccinated mothers, uh, and and so the, and and also this the Pfizer and Moderna studies both have demonstrated that spike proteins that they, that the antigens and spike proteins travel. Uh, from a uh, pregnant mother to the baby. So they they cross placenta barrier. So th- this this needs to be addressed. This has never been addressed. This needs to be studied. This needs to be investigated. You need to exclude this risk. You can't just go and say, oh, it's fine. You know, it's not fine.
0: Yeah, I think I've got two main questions and I think it, because it deals with a number of aspects of this whole way people view this side. I mean, people are taking sides. The there's a so-called alternative media platform out there called the platform, funnily enough. Uh, Michael Laws and Sean Plunkett are two of probably the worst in terms of they are so pro-jab, it's not funny. One uh, even skites, well, I've had three or four, I think it was four. Now he's jabbed right up. Why hasn't he dropped dead, basically? Because um, I actually did ask him if I could be put in his will, by the way, for three to five years only. Um, and that's
3: and that's Michael Laws' argument, Kelvin. He says 119 Million and that's exactly doses. What i'm
0: raising so, yep.
3: yeah so so it's it's obviously there are going to be a few that have to take one for the team that's how they look at it
0: yeah how, how, how yeah. come some get three or four jabs no problem at all others get one jab dead like we had uh, mm. a person here proven now to have died that way
1: yeah yeah so 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 that that comes back to what i mentioned before you know we all assume or you know a lot of people assume that as manufacturers describe it or as documents describe it or literature, um, scientific literature describes this mRNA so-called vaccine, that's how they're making it. Uh, and actually, that's, that's that couldn't be farther from the truth. Um, these products, and one of the major parts of my research was to look at the good manufacturing practices, whether these products are compliant with good manufacturing practices. Now, good manufacturing practices is a set of laws in all uh, Western countries, I'm sure the same in, in New Zealand, where the... The manufacturers especially for pharmaceuticals but this applies to food and beverage anything mass produced uh, you have to uh, establish quality systems and assurances in, and and this is extremely extensive and extremely difficult to do uh it takes many years especially for something novel uh to make sure that all the steps in the manufacturing you you are making what you were supposed to be making in that step and then you're removing all the impurities and then process you know dust and junk that you've created uh from the product so in the manufacture of mrna there are over 200 manufacturing steps there are uh, pfizer has 25 suppliers all of the suppliers also have to be good manufacturing practice compliant and their suppliers also and and pfizer is, is supposed to assure all that uh, and, and and FDA is supposed to regulate it, and FDA is supposed to enforce those practices. Now, we see completely non-compliant manufacturing. So I found it from VAERS research, it's a vaccine adverse event reporting system in the US. I found that the batches of this product were extremely variable as far as adverse events and deaths. So some batches had huge numbers of adverse reactions yeah, and yeah. deaths, and some batches had almost none. And so... Uh, and then later on, we learned that Pfizer indeed was not good manufacturing practice compliant from the regulatory documents from EMA. Uh, and that hasn't been rectified at all. And in fact, we also know that FDA finally inspected couple of suppliers of Pfizer and Moderna found them also not good manufacturing practice compliant in horrific ways, by the way, those forms are available. Um, uh, and, and that means that all of those products are not good manufacturing practice compliant. And what we also know is that vial to vial, there is a huge variability. So the way this product is made, they cannot assure its purity and consistency, and they cannot assure that they actually actually making mRNA. mRNA is extremely unstable. And they've increased the sizes of batches to uh, unbelievable sizes. So at, Pfizer claims one batch that's 900 liters of mRNA. I highly question that. I don't think it's possible to make i think they're lying about it i think they're maybe pulling a bunch of smaller batches together which is also illegal uh but whatever is going on we know that it's fraudulent and we know that a bunch of vials will produce you know junk maybe water with some chemical uh, with some metals maybe in it some contaminants but that's not as dangerous as having purified mrna injected so some people get huge quantities of mRNA, and yeah. that kills them pretty quickly. And some people maybe get not so much, and or maybe it's just you know diluted, diluted something fraudulent. So this product, as I said, you know the way it's made, it's totally open to adulteration and falsification. So anything goes, you know. And, and for the most part, it's gonna be pretty kind of over diluted and, and and degraded. Uh, but in some cases, yes, they're, they're, it's highly poisonous. You just don't know what it is. It's like Russian roulette. You just don't yes.
0: know. Russian roulette with the jab. Exactly. That's the, what yeah. I was going to say. I've got one last question before I turn it over to the ladies, because I think this is critical. Has there ever been a study to assess the accumulative effect of the vaccine schedule upon each other? Because from my mind, looking back, I don't think there was one single damn vaccine that was ever needed for the human body because we were so well engineered we've been Mm -hmm. deliberately attacked and made sick to create profits so we are basically no longer have a health system but a illness maintenance system would you agree with that
1: absolutely so actually there has been a study i have it right here oh nice (laughs) and i will send it to you uh it was recently published by joy garner from the control group so uh the Uh, And this is published in uh, International Journal of Vaccine Theory Practice and Research. Uh, And she has done a tremendous job uh, of, uh, she's done a survey. She found uh, approximately um, 800,000 people in the U.S. that are not vaccinated at all with any vaccines. Most of them are children, actually. Um, And uh, she found, she also calculated the risk. So even, you know, like all the babies get K shot at at birth. Okay, so that increase. So she found that she found 1,200 people in the U.S. that had no K shots, and their mothers were not vaccinated. And she found that autism prevalence in that group is zero.
0: Yep, wow. there we go. <clears throat>
1: uh, she found that having a K shot increases your risk to two percent of autism. Having your mother vaccinated and K shot puts it to something like six to eight percent, and then it proceeds from there. Wow. So that's, that's, that's what it is. Boom. It's mass poisoning.
0: Yep. Boom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'll then send um, that
1: paper. It's, it's some of the best research I've ever read.
0: Brilliant. We'll take
1: it.
2: Yeah. We'll definitely put that out for people. Um, and then you add, you know, the glyphosate to the food, you add the yes. fluoride in the water, you add, um, you know, the, the, um, things that come in the atmosphere, all the d- different heavy metals that are going into the body. Um, and then, of course, you know, you add the electrical radiation and and those types of things that are now new technology that are coming um, towards the human body. And we are electromagnetic um, beings. So all of this is having a cumulative effect. Um, Liz, do you want to make a comment about that type
3: of thing? Well, I really want to ask Sasha, and I've been doing this in the last few interviews, because I, I worry for people who are starting to come to terms with the enormity of this. Even as you were speaking before, I could feel the old me, Sasha, saying, but why would a government do this? Why would the world government do this to 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 want such suffering? How could any human wish this? Just quickly your answer for those who are still trying to play catch up with really the face of evil there is the face of good we're seeing with baby will of love but there is a face of evil walking this earth as well isn't there sasha
1: there is absolutely um i mean it's a very hard um personal journey and everyone has to take so it's a very difficult situation i I totally understand people's um denial because it's a coping mechanism when you are faced with such deep evil, it's so ugly and so horrible that you want to pretend it doesn't exist. Um, there is a, you know, there's a fable, I think nobody can verify it anymore, but I think it's true. Uh, when Christopher Columbus came to, you know, the, the, the outlying islands of the United States, um, the natives could not see the ships. And that's because they didn't have any frame of reference for something like this to exist. So in the same way people faced with this, such deep and horrible evil, they can't see it because they don't have a frame of reference for it. They cannot imagine something like this existing. And I urge you to, um, you know, it, it's it's a, everyone is different. Everyone takes their personal way there, but I, I urge you to not, you know exercise this denial because it doesn't lead anywhere it just leads to more horrific places so um the the way to to the way to get over this is to go through this you have to see it you have to see it you have to understand it exists and when you see it you don't you you're no longer afraid of it because you you see you just you just realize oh we're under attack this is what it is this is the war we have to defend ourselves. And then you have kind of a plan of, of, of going forward, but you can't just sit there and pretend it doesn't happen um, because the, the evidence is overwhelming. And why they're doing it, I can't really tell you because they cannot get into the mind of the criminal, but I know that this has been explicit. For example, in the US, it's explicit government policy control of the populations except they've you know henry kissinger wrote this this doctrine it's still it still is united states doctrine to control population except they always wanted to control it in africa somewhere well now and with vaccines also (laughs) you know uh and and now they're using it on 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 uh, their own population but that's that's what it is it's very explicit they're not hiding it
3: and Bill Gates has talked openly about that in yeah. the TED Talk. He's an absolute psychopath. He's an absolute psychopath.
1: They're all eugenicists and they they don't hide it and they're kind of proud of it. And this has been policy for a long time. So that you just need to read those documents.
2: Yeah, you just need to look at Planned Parenthood and organizations like that. And look, Sasha, I, I totally agree with you. It reminds me of a song. Um, you're going on a bear hunt and then you you know you get to some mud and you can't go around it you can't go under it you can't go over it you have to go through it and unfortunately um we're in a really difficult time now we're facing um, some really hard truths and um it's about humanity growing up now and uh, it's the i i used to, i I liken it to the idea of um you know when you've got well when hopefully it doesn't happen to any of us but you get a diagnosis of cancer you don't put your head in the sand and pretend like it's not there and just pray that it will go away you you get a diagnosis and um, and you, you figure out the prognosis and then, you know, you try and figure out how you can actually heal yourself. So um, I think that's a really good way to end it, um, Sasha, that, you know, you're focusing on healing and the hard internal journey that we all, each and every one of us has to go on. And um, through this great awakening that, you know, by waking up and, and exposing it and shedding light on it, um, the criminals don't have anywhere to go anymore.
1: Exactly. If we all, if we speak up, they, they, they can't hide.
0: And that mud is a whole lot of crap, to be honest.
2: Yeah, we just need
3: to say no. <laughs> a lost word,
2: Liz. Have you got any final words before we wrap it up and uh, bring Amy on?
3: Yes, uh, just this one for those reeling, Sasha. Where do they? Where do they begin? They'll walk away from this thinking there was a lot in there. I didn't quite get. I think I need to research. There's something I need to find out. Perhaps there's something there. Where do you suggest, as this prodigious researcher extraordinaire? Where would you say to that person beginning this journey? Begin with Catherine, what?
1: Um, prob- probably, yes. I will send you, I have made a bunch of, uh, over the past year and a half, I made um, video presentations. I have a bit shoot channel, it's called Team Enigma. And Brilliant. I, I, will send, I will send you the link. And I recently made some overview presentations where people can see. I have links to Catherine's work. Um, Catherine Watts Baileywick news is is excellent um, absolute encyclopedia especially with regard to law um, and um, so that those are great resources um, and you know so you can you can follow me there um.
0: <laughs> and- also how
1: bad how bad is how bad is your batch is one of the websites i yes. i helped to create and i put my research there as well and Craig Parody Cooper uh, who runs this website um so we can show the uh, rates of vaccine injuries and adverse events per batch although those are they're just the ones that exist in various so i'm not sure there are new zealand data there but you can see the you can see the variability of the data and you can see our analysis
3: in a world where there's so much darkness you offer so much light sasha we are deeply grateful you came on your message finally to sam and cole and about their little baby, their little baby, Will, who brought all of us together today, really.
1: Yeah, I, I admire their strengths. I, I admire um, the, what they've done and how far they're willing to go for the sake of their health of their son. And um, I really pray for his health and for his full recovery. And as I said, I would love to see him grow up a strong, beautiful young man. I want to meet him one day.
3: I oh hope thank that you happens. so amazing
1: we really appreciate you um
2: being on and his parents will be very very grateful. Now um before we get bring on our new guest um Amy Benjamin a former law lecturer we are going to um play a song and I think uh, Sasha you'll like this. Um this is for all the mothers out there um and all those mothers to be because hopefully this um you know jab won't have caused infertility for you but this is um the cry of the mothers.
4: I want to share the story of Cry of the Mothers and how it came because I feel it speaks to my personal um, feeling that all of this is actually perfectly aligned. All of it. Even the parts that twist our stomach, that rise us in fury. It's there to wake us up. And when I opened my mouth to sing those words, I had never heard them before. I had never spoken them before. I didn't know what was going to come through. The time will come when medicine will organize into an undercover dictatorship to restrict the art of healing to one class of men. That time is now. Man, it's all chilling. We talk about how you ain't asking questions. How you just send them to school with fucking masks on their faces. There's oxygen deprivation. That's common knowledge. It's basic. Don't need no doctor to state it. Though many doctors have stated, even if COVID was real, the mask provides no protection. It's documented and known to cause bacteria. riches and power I'd rather die like a man and live my life Point in the youth. What's more important than more important the truth? I say we gather all this knowledge, pour it all in the youth We'll teach them how to survive, we'll teach them all how to warm. Without using all them chemicals we know do us harm You think them people ain't evil, lady, you pity me of it They watch us die and they love it, the population they call it They say we need it in order to keep the temperatures lower But global warming's a hoax, if you ain't know now you know it Say we overpopulated, ha ha ha, what a joke There's about 7 billion people in the world, that's what they tell us And by 7 billion acres, only here in North America Ain't got to be no mathematician, all the people playing on us hey, 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 This is a warning for what's coming,
3: what's coming? It's hey, 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 hey. This is cry of the mother, you the 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 know
4: President John Magufuli has not appeared in public since the last 17 days. Magufuli had for months insisted the virus no longer existed in Tanzania. He has even refused to wear a face mask or take lockdown measures. Tanzanian President John Boy Magufuli is dead. This comes after weeks
2: of speculation of his whereabouts.
4: Magufuli had mocked coronavirus tests in fact. He denounced vaccines as part of Western See